Dear listeners, please note there is some technical problem with Max's audio in this episode. We hope you will bear with us. Thank you. Warning. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome, Chitty, to Chitty Max Mike Movies, Chitty. We're here to bang bang a new film every week, Chitty, with the aim to break it down, Chitty, scrutinize Chitty, and otherwise see if it can still hold water, Chitty. <laughs> Before I'm strangled through the internet, Chitty. I will Chitty, kill you! <laughs> I, will, I, I, <laughs> I will murder you so hard you'll die from it. Before I'm strangled through the internet, Chitty, I will stop this facade. Thank you. Chitty. Declare that while stark, ravingly fulsome, I am also one of your hosts, Mike Luce. That, with his hands outstretched, with a grip that I cannot slip, Get is closer. the other one of your hosts. Get over here, you little... No, 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 no. Uh, You little... <laughs> no, you can't catch me, can't catch me, can't catch me. Uh, the equally fulsome Max Levine. Hello. This week, it's the second in our newest series, When We Was Kids, a film that was close to my little nerdling's heart. 1968's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is definitely not sounds made during an adult film. <laughs> yeah, isn't that... It wasn't, I would hate to find out that the porn equivalent of that just used the same title. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly don't know and don't want to know. We're looking at movies that we loved when we were little to see if they're as good as we remember or should perhaps be relegated to the trash piles of our memories. But business demands... Chitty... So, oh, Chitty, you're bang bang. <laughs> That's so dirty. Yeah, it sounds that really is so bad. wrong. <laughs> I think the firing is going to commence. So, um, but first, we're going to have some business. Hey, yeah. you want to listen to other episodes besides this one? Head right on over to our website. You can, in fact, even mosey on down. And we are at maxmikemovies.com. There you will find, wrapped for your protection, all of our past episodes where you can comment, listen to, and re-listen to as your little heart desires. Check the freshness seal, though. <laughs> yeah, the date. We might have expired. Um, there's also social media, because... Kids love that social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Max Mike Movies. Hey, do you like podcast apps? Hey, Max, I'm meaning to ask you, do you like podcast apps? I loathe and despise them to the very core. Well, then you should avoid us on both the <laughs> Apple Podcast app and the Google Podcast app. Never mind, Spotify. Spotify. But you know... You know, you know Paul. If, if this wasn't real email, I couldn't do this. Yeah. If you would like to email us directly because you have a comment, because you have a question. Or if you, you, actu you actually know if what the porn equivalent of this movie was <laughs> and what the title was, let us know. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> at us but, at maxmikemovies.com. Yeah. So. And now, the flim. The show. Trivia this week for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The budget for 1968, a whopping $10 million. Wow. $10 million, Paul. $10 million. The take, I actually couldn't find a definite number. The closest really? I could get was about 7.5. However, strangely, it was also listed as, and I don't know if this is like, you know, faint praise, but 10th most popular <laughs> film of 1969. Okay, that's that is kind of damning with faint praise. Well, especially considered back we're, then they didn't have as many films released as they do now. We're number ten. We're number <laughs> ten. You don't hear that a lot. No, no. Dick Van Dyke, not a fan of the movie, and didn't even want to do it. Huh. Albert R. Broccoli wanted to create a success exactly like that of Mary Poppins, which was very successful. <laughs> Going so far as to try and hire that movie's two main stars, Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews refused to do it, as did Dick Van Dyke, but Dick was eventually offered, quote, seven figures and points, wow. quote, which was ridiculous by the standards of the day, so he did the movie. Good Lord, that, that must have been a big chunk of the entire budget. If the budget was $10 million and he was getting at least a million? Yep. Yikes! Although, to be fair, we'll get to this, but... 
they didn't skimp much on this movie. It uh, you can tell this cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, he was also not a fan of the director or of Broccoli himself. Well, nobody um, he, really likes broccoli. Makes you fart. Appa- <laughs> That's actually the only reason I do like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he apparently only finally accepted the role on two conditions, one of which was the salary, and the other was that he would not, repeat, not <laughs> have to do a British accent. I, as I he knew it. it I was knew terrible. It. Yep. So, yeah. uh this is very nearly a Disney movie. This is as close as you're going to get because Albert, Albert, R, I can't say Albert R. Broccoli. Nobody can. Albert R. Broccoli hired not only the two or tried to hire the two main stars. He t- hired nearly the entire musical team from Mary Poppins, including the Sherman brothers who wrote all the songs for Mary Poppins oh. and uh, a lot of the arrangers and other people who are a part of it as well. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. say Disney, but it kind of feels like, and it, do- it is, there are, it's very Mary Poppins-esque. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It's also British. Very, um, very British. Lionel Jeffries, who plays uh, Van, Van Dyke's father character, was actually six months younger than Dick Van Dyke. Really? <laughs> yes, he was. Six months younger, Paul. The main thing I know Lionel Davies from is he's in uh, the musical Camelot, the movie Camelot. Lionel Jeffries. Yeah, he's, uh, he plays King Pelinor. Ah. Of the fields bearing his name? Exactly. Okay. Uh, You probably wanted to know, I know a lot of our listeners will want to know, hey, whatever happened to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Is it still out there? It is. (laughs) Its current owner is New Zealand director Peter Jackson. He paid $800,000 for it when it failed to reach its minimum bid of $1 to $2 million uh, a few years ago. And apparently, he drives people around in it. Does it have (laughs) the one of the sets? Does it still have no, the no, wing no. attachments? No, 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 no. So that was one of the stunt chitties. <laughs> yeah. They never get enough credit. So co-star, if you want to be that kind, Sally Ann Howes was chosen because she was Julie Andrews' replacement for the stage show of My Fair Lady. I had never heard of her. I hadn't either. She's not entirely un-Julie Andrews-esque. No, well, that's true. Huh. The, direct, the director, Ken Hughes who is also the director of 1967 spoof Casino Royale and Oh, others. no. Yes. That's, where, that's what felt familiar. <laughs> was not known for being a fan of kids and apparently used to curse in front of them a lot on set. He was also <laughs> chastised for this by Dick Van Dyke. So, yeah. I don't know if you noticed this because I, I wasn't paying attention to the credits, but the screenplay is by Roald <laughs> Dahl. Yes, that one. Wait, I thought it was who, Ian Fleming. No, he wrote oh. the book it's based on. The screenplay is written oh. by Roald Dahl, uh, who, who utterly rewrote Fleming's kid's book. He also utterly rewrote Fleming's You Only Live Twice, which is the film he did before this. So, Roald Dahl, yeah. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, Roald Dahl was the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Benny Hill was not originally in the film. He was actually brought in by Dick Van Dyke to help rewrite some scenes he feel, felt needed punching up, which is probably a lot of them. Hey, how did they get England so wonderfully sunny? Do you know how they did that, Max? They moved it? Uh, kind of. They actually shot a lot of those scenes in France. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, wow, that beach is gorgeous. I don't think they have that in England. Uh, they don't. That's, yeah. that's France. So, Caractacus. Uh, which is yes. Dick Van Dyke's main uh, character's first name. It sounds like a name that was totally made up just so oh, he no. could be known as Crackpot. No, it's actually the name of the last ruler of Southern Britain before the Roman Conquest. Oh, really? He was really famous. That was not a joke name. Anyone, especially anyone in England, would know that. Caractacus was a big deal. He was, he defied Caesar, and apparently when he was actually dragged to Rome in chains, he spoke so eloquently that Caesar told, said, take off his chains, give him back his... Uh, his armor and his weapons and go home and hit and his flying car and take your flying car and go on home get out get out <laughs> all right uh there's a stage version of this made in the early 2000s it ran for hundreds of performances in oh. both new york and london and made nearly a hundred million dollars between those two versions wow it was up for a bunch of awards as well apparently it was i never quite good. heard that me neither <laughs> that's why we do research Oh. Um, so the real Chitty was something of a um, something of a hog. 
It's over 17 feet long and weighed <laughs> over 4,000 pounds. It's two tons. That's a big car, but not insane. Uh, considering it doesn't even have a roof. Yeah. So Dick Van Dyke was only available for this at all because he'd turned down the role of Fagin in another film coming up in our series, which is Oliver. I'm sorry, Oliver! <laughs> wow, that was a yeah. good choice. He would not have been a good Fagin. Who played Fagin? Do you know him? Oh, I can't. I honestly can't. That guy. Remember. Well, we'll find out. We'll yeah, find out. We'll find out later. The original book bears slight resemblance to the movie. <laughs> there is a car that flies and floats. There are two children, Anne Caractacus Potts and his wife. But that's about it. The car has much more of a mind of its own, and there are various plot twists that involve spies, gangsters, and gun runners. <laughs> Far more Bond wow. than Bang, in a way. Well, look who is writing it. Yeah. And with sex, you get bedroll. Or what? something. Uh, that, that was out of trivia. That was... <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Now the plot. Wait, wait. I, uh, there's a couple of other trivia oh, things. You know some trivia? I do. I checked some... I noticed something in the credits. There is... In addition to the fact that the book was by Ian Fleming, there is another Bond connection. Oh, there's 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 more at, than one. But go at ahead. the beginning, we see the guy who owns the junkyard, Mister Coggins. That's he's played by Q Desmond Llewellyn. Yes, he was in my notes. Ah, okay. And I, I noticed something in the credits that there was a, an actor named Davy K K A Y E. I'm going. Oh, you couldn't get Danny, so you got Davy. But I looked it up, and they're not related. Oh, oh, yes. No. And so much more. But yet, we have a plot. Jeremy and Jemima are two little ragamuffins who like to play about in the wreckage of a famous racing car from the Grand Prix of the early 1900s. Sadly, the car is about to be sold as scrap to the evil, nefarious, well, scrap man. <clears throat> they ask their father to buy it instead so they can continue to skip school and cause traffic accidents. One of these near accidents introduces the family to one truly scrumptious, no, I'm not <sighs> making this up, That's daughter, name. Of a wealthy, delf, daughter of a wealthy confectioner. While chastising the children's eccentric inventor father, it's made clear that he will raise his children as he sees fit, thank you very much, and good day to you. Perplexed as to how he will make enough money to buy the children's plaything, he tries various uses of his rather ridiculous and ill-working inventions until finally reasoning that, realizing that, hey, he's Vic Van Dyke, damn it, and he can make far more money as a song and dance man. The wreck is brought home and Caractacus Potts, again, not kidding, sets to work restoring and improving the car so that it might achieve its titular status. When a complete, the car proves not only far superior than its original racing mode, it can fly and zoom about on the water, and it can whisk the children father and truly not only into a wild, fantastic tale involving an evil baron from a foreign country that is definitely not Germany, e and an oh. even more frightening child catcher, but to marriage and a happily ever after ending that will make this fractured family whole, oh, and there's lots of singing and dancing along the way. Salud! The lowdown. Okay. Now, our discussion. Well, that's that's the plot. That's kind of, well, kind of, except most of it doesn't actually happen. About the, what is it, second two-thirds well, or so of the movie no. is just the professor telling a story. Right. Which I, I have to say, when I, was, when I was a kid, I remember being really annoyed at that because when I was a kid, I missed the cue that it was just a story. You get a sort of, you know, doo 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 visual effect and then you realize an adult would realize oh okay now this is fi the character is just telling a story well i hope you when you were watching it as an adult you realized it was actually quite a lot more obvious than that yeah yeah it was <laughs> well i'm sorry i didn't know you as a child mm. when i was a kid i had the soundtrack of this on lp for those who don't know what an lp is it now we people know because vinyl's hot again for reasons <laughs> i don't understand but i at least wore out one copy i loved this soundtrack um i also had at least two of the little chitty chitty bang bangs made by cor corgi toys because i of course wore those out too i adored this film i memorized the music and i don't remember it being two and a half hours long but <laughs> it is yeah, it is but also it's nice to see broccoli and fleming together again <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair there, there are some kind of i would say there's some bondish elements to this a little yeah um, I mean, it's it takes place a lot earlier than Bond, but that being said, 
you know, there's definitely nefarious schemes. And hey, we've got another Bond alumnus here. We have Gert Froba. Oh, yes. Who is Byron so Bulbus. much fun in this. I mean, he is obviously <laughs> having such a good time being just yeah. this ridiculous cartoon character. Yeah. Um, we start off, though, kind of interestingly. We actually start off with you're kind of wondering what the heck is going on because it's, it's made up footage of three different car races from 1908 and 1909 i wanted to ask you something i know my copy at least the first i think 40 seconds is just black black screen and engine noise yep i I think this is a strange way to start a kid's movie well so i actually tend to have trouble with my blu-ray player on my my mac because uh apple and blu-ray don't play well together and i honestly thought i was Big trouble with my disc because I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm honestly going to bet that the TV version does not have 40 seconds. They probably of black cut screen. that out, yeah. And it's so what happens is you're meant to be put into the mood and put into the time. And this is also, I'm going to say, this is part of the whole British thing because um, they like things slow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it finally just the, the lights come up. I think this was actually meant to be shown over the curtains. Hey, everyone, believe it or not, when you used to go to the theater, there were curtains. And if you had somebody doing it right, like when there was an overture that and the film would start, that's when the curtains would open. And I think that this was meant to be shown over the curtains. Yeah. You'd hear the music and then they would open up. You but, had a lot of the old stuff. I mean, there's an intermission in this movie. Now, do your copy have one? Yep. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure how this was. I have the I have the blue I have the Blu-ray of this because yeah. Um, also, but in that opening, so we're seeing all these these races which have none of the main characters. None of the characters in the opening, I don't know, five minutes or more ha- are the main characters of this film, except the and, car. Except well, even then, because the car gets remade, and it's like if you yeah, don't but, know what Chitty Bang Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is going to look like, you might not know which car you're supposed to look at until you realize, oh, it must be the one that's been winning all the races. Well, it's also the one that burst it bursts into flames. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We have oh. no idea why the car. Oh, yes, we do. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. By the way, but that whole little there's just a little bit, and it's in the 1909. We we know the era, by the way, because the two Grand Prix races we see are 1908 and 1909. Right. Uh, three, excuse me. There's a what a French, an English, and a German. Yep. And it, the last is 1909, so the movie probably takes place around 1910. Right. But in the 1909, uh, the person driving what will event the the proto chitty. <laughs> is about to win the race when a small child runs onto the track and they run off the, the track and lose. That's and based on a real event. Burst into flames! Yep. <laughs> yeah, literally the car goes over a ridge and explodes. <laughs> yeah, because apparently they were made out of you know, magnesium and dynamite. I, I mean, to be fair, cars back then were pretty twitchy. I yeah, but whatever. they didn't blow up. I no, mean, they might catch usually. fire, but... Yeah, and they put it out. They put it out. Yeah. But I don't know if you noticed, but the film was actually subtly undercranked to make it look a little bit like, like a newsreel movies. Yeah, like a newsreel footage or yeah. silent movie, yeah. But yeah. uh, th- that was based, I think that was at least a tribute to an event. I think it was Barney Oldfield, the uh, old-time racer, who was in one of his last races and was about to win when a little boy ran out onto the track, and Oldfield had to slow down and swerve to avoid hitting him. I don't think he actually yeah. crashed or even went through the wall. It was or a big deal. Into- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then we uh, we cut to the... I- quote-unquote present day and it's the kids playing the car and we get q yay Desmond yes. and the two kid, the two blonde moppets jeremy yep. and jemima yep. who are as english as toffee and lashings of ginger beer oh god this film gets it gets more british it this is, is a very british you film. can feel your upper lip stiffening and your teeth <laughs> getting bad <laughs> so english <laughs> Yeah, and then we get uh, Mr. Evil's magic pony cart. Uh, this is the the <laughs> the guy who takes delight, honestly, in trying to frighten the children. Oh, your car! I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna totally melt it down in the fiery furnace. Cause I'm like, dead oh. sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and thankfully he does. He does not does, do that. No, he doesn't. Yes, and they, does they he want... say, "Get in my belly." Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then the kids run home and want Daddy to buy. So to oh, go and oh, buy oh. the car. No, they run towards home, yes. causing truly scrumptious in one of, I think, <sighs> four of the same car accident in the same place in that yep. film. Shot exactly uh, if, the same way. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, her license plate. Oh, no, I don't think so. Cub 1. 
Cub, of course, is short for oh, Cubby, Cubby, which was Albert Broccoli, Broccoli's nickname. Yep. Well, now, Chitty's license plate is Gen 11. Did that mean anything? So, supposedly, it's supposed to suggest Genie and that the magical oh, qualities okay. of the car. To be fair, that also is <clears throat> from the book. That oh, okay. is from the book. Interesting. Um, Cubby, just so you know, this is a bit of trivia probably most people don't know. I'm not even sure you know this, Max, but yeah. um, Cubby is actually, for some strange reason, one of my nicknames. <laughs> I did not know that. Only one person called me this. It was actually... Well, uh, that's going to change. <laughs> Cubby. <laughs> I don't even know why. I think she said that I she, I somehow reminded her of Cubby from the Mickey Mouse Club, but whatever. I hope you, uh, I hope you never spoke to her again. No, it was a friend's mother. She was a very darling woman. I, I really actually liked her quite a bit, but she just she called me Cubby, and once, that, that's it. She only called me Cubby ever, so whatever. But, okay. The kids run in front of a car, causing her to drive into a nearby swamp. And hey, I'm gonna say that right about there, that's when wackiness starts to ensue. Yep, she's a very that's truly that's her name, truly scrumptious. Her last as her father is Lord Scrumptious, no doubt of the Devonshire scrumptiouses. <laughs> Diddly scrumptious, I don't know. Yeah, th there's some preciousness in this film. Oh that's yes, part of it. And right she there. is so, you know, dreadfully offended that. Uh, these children are running, these unwashed mop uh, ragamuffins are running about like, like, he, oh, God, I can't remember. The, Crazy people. Yeah, no, the, the, the Hottentots, that's what the English always used to say. It's running about like a bunch of mad Hottentots and insists on driving them home and having it out with the with their father, who is, who is, I, I gotta say, he's doing early rocket, you know, rocket science with, in 1910. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to put quotes around the word science. Well, he basically okay. straps a bunch of giant firecrackers to his back, right, bends fly. over, <laughs> and aims himself up a ramp. It's, which, like, uh, those, it's like those old footage you see of the first attempts at flight. It's, it's like, a lot like that. Very much like Except that. color. Um, however, I'm going to say that uh, when, when she quite reasonably says, hey, why are your children running around the countryside? And, yeah, why aren't they in school? He's she says. Ass. Yeah, He's and kind of an ass. I gotta say, in that whole sequence, I'm kind of on Truly's side. It's like, yeah. let's see, these children are running around unsupervised, and these are like, I don't know, what, eight, nine-year-old children? And it's not stated, but I kind of get the impression that they're meant to be twins. Oh, they oh. they're mm. Well, I, it just may be me, but they're both like almost exactly the same height. Certainly are both as annoying. Uh, I'm I, sorry, I, I, we'll, we'll get into this later. I like a lot of... they the, sing. I, singing is the only time they don't annoy me. Oh, okay. I those those kids just every time I saw them, I wanted to push them into something. Uh, I actually never had a problem with them. They but ir anyway. irritating, just painfully. So cute. off goes Trilly in a huff, or or left in a minute of, uh, and we meet the rest of the family, which includes yeah. That's the other thing. Again, she's right. So the father is playing with high explosives, right? Uh, leaving out all sorts of potentially dangerous and non-functional. Uh, inventions, including their breakfast machine, which I'm going, oh, that's where Wallace and Gromit got the idea. Well, yeah, you're skipping it ahead, but, no, but it's also like, hey, do you want to put a flame under your plate and <sighs> then touch it? No. That's no. a good thought. And here's Grandpa, who's apparently in genuinely deranged, wandering around. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, he's seen a bit of ac action often. I am sorry. Somewhere. I would have thought she would have just had it if there was the equivalent of go off to social services right then. <laughs> so, the movie which never achieves a frenetic pace, mm. actually slows down a bit even before the first song. Because <laughs> we get uh, uh, the, the first song, which is uh, uh, U2, I have U2, you have whatever. Yeah. And then they have dinner, and it's all very lovely. And this is where the movie starts even getting so old-timey, it hurts. It's not like it's even steampunk. It's that, that whimsical mm. turn of the century. It, I mean, whimsical is like capitalized and underlined about three times and it's it's just so like you talked about the the dinner machine and whatever mm. but it's, everything is just dripping with detail and, and whimsy and yeah. yeah it starts to get on my nerves after a while and i so he tr he tries to make some money to to buy the damn car yeah because that that's his goal because you know hey I don't, actually when she questioned him why aren't your kids and your kids skip school you know and he's like well it'll give the others a chance to catch up and they're the kids are like see you bye and it's like uh, huh <laughs> So he has and to buy the, this car. The kids are trying to give him their treasures to sell. Right. 
And it's like, oh, look, here is this diamond necklace, obviously part of a glass chandelier. The right. one thing that bothers me is the kid says, here, a gold crown. And, like, that is a copper gear shaft, a brass gear shank. Do these That's children the not know what gold looks like? Because the thing is brown. It's just imagination. Ugh. I had no problem with that. Too precious. But, but speaking of precious, so he one of his machines that he happens to have made makes what he called, what some sort of sweet some confection which truly sees and is about to to tell him what's wrong when he's like what do you know about candy and she's like well actually I'll see you later goodbye mm. well he looks at the candy and it one of them falls on the ground and the dog picks it up and it turns out oh you know all these holes if you blow in it it sounds like a flute yeah which, he's made basically a candy recorder which is kind of cute right. yeah so he's like hey maybe I can sell this so he goes to the Candy local candy company, which as it turns out is owned by Truly Scrumptious's dad, Diddly Scrumptious, or again, whatever his name <laughs> Lord is. Lord I think his first name is Lord, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And boy, for a guy who makes candy, what a grouch. Yeah. It, he was a I thought he was a really rolled doll character. Yeah. That was a very dollish thing. Um for some reason though, Truly decides to help him. Because when he sees her, he's like, Oh, well, there's no point in staying here. And she's like, No, 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 go in and see him. I'll I'll get him in. Yeah, she changes her tune, as it were, very quickly over here. Yes, him. she does. Um and then I will say we get one of the most ridiculous numbers of the film, <laughs> yeah. which is the Toot Sweet song, which is Hey, look, if you blow on this, everyone's happy. And the entire factory starts dancing. Highly Courier, such a 60s dance number. Oh, yeah. my Lord. This is yeah. when you know, oh, this is a real 60s musical. Wow. It's big. It is big. And it, this is one of the first times we're like, ah, money. Because yeah. that set is not cheap. This is like pretty much a Blofeld-sized, we're going to blow <laughs> this up later in this film set. And they're dancing. There's all these people. It's, uh, yeah. And this is just the first of many such large sets that we're going to see. However, it turns out that all these people blowing these candies attracts the local dogs from uh, apparently there's the daisy yeah. hill puppy farm is right around the corner <laughs> i was thinking wow this part of england is overrun with stray dogs hundreds yes. of them come swarming in yep. cause shenanigans and blah, 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 get out of here blah, 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 blah. and then all the dogs died of chocolate poisoning. <laughs> yes that's the thing it's like this isn't funny these dogs shouldn't be eating that much sugar and if there is chocolate they're all gonna die yeah. Uh, so that obviously doesn't work. So he so. decides, you know, he goes off to try to make money at a local carnival. By the way, I would just like to interject a really petty and uh, nitpicky detail here, just because okay. I want to head off one of our listeners. Now, I was curious about this, and I knew, and I know that our, our one of our listeners, His Grace the Duke von Halbwitz, ah, will probably yes. might have looked into this. The money they need to buy the car. They need 30, 30 shillings. Yes. 30, 30 bob. bob. Yep. yep. Now, I checked into this. In 1910, now 30 shillings is about a pound and a half. Right. It's 20 shillings to the pound. In I, current money. It, no, no. Back then. Well, 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 well that there was, is so no, currently Brit, shillings Brit, don't exist. Right. Britain changed its monetary style. They went metric basically in the 70s. At yeah. Some point. And people thought that was too confusing. <laughs> anyway, 30 shillings in 1910 is today about the equivalent of $233. Right. So, that doesn't bother me. It's like, okay, that's actually, it's not a ridiculous amount of money, but it's more than, this. these people are obviously, they have, they're very poor, because their right. father is a bloody idiot. <laughs> he spends all their money, which I don't know where he gets, and... I, I have no clue where any of it came from, except maybe his father's military pension, on yeah. his failed inventions. So, yes, he goes out to the, the carnival with his hair-cutting machine, which, of course, is a disaster. Yeah. It, really, just, like, right out of a cartoon. The carnival in general, general, you know how you said that this film is British? Yeah. It doesn't get more British than this carnival. Oh, yeah, everyone in the crap. striped jackets <laughs> and the hats and the straw boaters... And and one of the songs that's coming up. Um, oh yeah, the, the the old bamboo. My old which bamboo. Which is I actually like. That is my favorite song. I yeah. love that song. That is my favorite song in this whole movie. But as an as it's an American so catchy audience, yeah. But as an American viewer, even as a kid, even now, I have no idea what half of the things you're talking about. <laughs> are. It's like it's they're just. just and they, he's sing, well. First off, they're singing about their canes, but I always assume right. it's a somewhat phallic message for the older folks. 
I suppose. Yeah, but oh no, um, it, this song and the dance number is so much fun. Except uh, they look like they could. Ooh, they might shift into Morris dancing at any moment. We always have to. You, you have to watch. You always have it. to watch out for that. I think they had actual in, people on site in case Morris dancing broke out to deal with it. Maybe they use their old bamboo to beat the Morris dancers. <laughs> no, you got to be careful. Morris dancers are usually heavily armed with sticks and handkerchiefs, and some of them carry swords. And we're being mean, of course. Yep, Some sorry. people actually like Morris dancers. Yep. I don't know who it's those just people so are. E- it's just so easy to make fun of. Anyway, right. So we're at the we're at the we're at the carnival, and, and uh, somehow he makes two hundred and thirty three bucks because yeah. he, I don't know, maybe they're all throwing shillings at him, but he gets they throw money at him, and uh, a couple of the guys actually give him their share because you know he's Dick Van Dyke and he's the best of the the best one in the uh, the entire number. The th- other thing about that number is you watch and you go, oh, this is why Dick Van Dyke is so famous. Because, yeah. my God, that man can dance. It's amazing. He He's so acrobatic and so graceful. Apparently it was not easy for him. He, he was 40 at the time oh, and wow. um, smoked as many cigarettes a day. And uh, well, He also believe, he had a bit of a drinking problem, too. Oh, didn't yes. He? No, he was... he was Very interesting thing. So we're going to take this little side trip here. So not only was Dick Van Dyke an alcoholic, he actually went on TV in the 70s and talked about it. I oh. saw it was on... Um, David Frost, I think, or was David Frost, or was it Dick um, Dick Cavett? Maybe it was Dick Cavett. And he's very matter-of-fact. Again, this is the 70s. Nobody talked about this. Yeah. And he's talking about it. It's like, no, this is a disease. You know, oh, wow. this is not like... So, yeah, I was amazed at how forward for it was. And he's just sitting... And he's just talking about it. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Yep, yep. And I've had this problem. And yep, all this time. And he just... He doesn't bat an eye. He talks all about it. And I, as far as I know, when he, you know took the pledge or whatever you want to call it back in the 70s i don't know that he ever went back i think he's actually been sober for many many decades and believe it or not that was actually him dancing in yep. mary poppins we talked Returns. about that except for one moment when he jumps right. onto the desk because right. come on he's 300 oh, he's 90 he's 90 years old and he still can move he can still yes, dance can. it's amazing Apparently, so, by the way, that's why in that choreography in that scene, that's why they're all standing around the desk. They were worried if he would fall off. Right. They were there okay. to catch him. And of course but, he yeah. didn't. They didn't he yeah. didn't need them at all. Anyway. So you may want you may wonder why is why is why is uh Caractacus Potts singing and dancing? Well, it's because his hair cutting machine makes a fool out of the one person he puts in it because his hair is cut like a donut. <laughs> and uh, he runs and he runs into this this troop uh dressing room. And comes out and makes his way through the dance, and they all think he's wonderful. I, I mean, he is, but he's also not in step most of the time on purpose. But whatever, he gets the money, he buys the car, and the kids are all exciting. And they next, spend the next ten minutes waiting for him to finish the car. But, and I know Max was waiting for this particularly. Once he finally opens those that those barn doors, we get the titular song. Mm-hmm. And we not only get it once, we get it, we get it twice, and then again. And again, and again. <laughs> I, I, again, the song is catchy, but my God, do they pound it into the ground. They do. But I have a question for you, Max. Yeah. That's something I've been going to ask you for decades. Do you like Dick Van Dyke's version better or um, Jim Carrey's version in Ace Ventura? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a close thing. I mean, Yeah. So if. <laughs> If those of you who don't know, who have seen Ace Ventura, and I think it was eight, was it Ace Ventura two? I think so. I think it was in yeah. the second yeah. one. For those who have seen Ace Ventura two and wonder, gee, where did that song came from? That's where it came yep. from. So a movie now, by the name of yeah, little education here. Yeah. So yes. as soon as the song is done, they pick up truly and they reprise oh, the song. Hang on, and then they reprise it. By again. the way, just for those who haven't seen the movie. The song comes, and the name of the car comes from the sound the engine makes. They say it's right. going, and then it will suddenly backfire twice. You know, yeah. bang, bang. And they decide that's that's the name. And yes, and they again almost almost murder, they almost commit vehicular homicide on truly scrumptious again. Well, that's okay because she happened to be going by that same exactly swamp, same so spot car- at the road in the same <laughs> drives her car to the same lake. And Dick yeah, Van Dyke and picks they- her up and carries her out of the car. And the kids invite her on the picnic that they're going yes, to. Yes, and they go to the beach, and there's a lovely beach sequence. And one of the songs that I just want to die, then that is the Truly Scrumptious song. Ah, uh, yes. That the children sing to her. Because the children, 
think she's wonderful and now love her, despite the fact they've spent a total of, I think, 11 minutes with her. And it makes my teeth hurt. The truly scrumptious song is really <clears throat> quite, um, <sighs> yeah, it's it's beyond precious. And it's, yeah, it needs not to be there. I didn't like that as a kid either, but whatever. But you, you left out one of the, the bigger cameos as they're driving around in the car. Thomas the Tank Engine or the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> it's is, hard to tell. Is but, not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, yeah they, and I, you know, when I was watching the film, I made a note. It's pretty damn sunny for England, if you ask me. Jolly old chap. Yeah, it's because it's France. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, then, and uh, then so, that's when they're sitting in the car and Potts starts to tell them a story because they see a boat and they wonder if it's pirates. And he jumps off and starts telling a story. And the movie right. just, I have to say, relatively seamlessly moves into the story. It does, and yeah. we get Gert Froba doing <laughs> doing Baron Bomberst, which is a who great is name. One of the highlights of the film, he really is. He's having such a good time; it's hard not he to is. enjoy it. And at one point, you know, he is decided he is an evil Baron of, of Vulgaria with a V. <laughs> oh, that still kills me. He's on a zeppelin, and when they land, there's a sign that says yep, yep. "Vulg Air." I wasn't sure if wow. you noticed that because I had never seen it before, and I noticed it too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But um, there's a couple little like digs in there that it's just for for adults, and that that was actually one of them. That yeah, I liked this is and it just this is where it just goes off the rails and becomes a complete children's movie. He right. sends his two spies after them, and yes. the spies are when he's when you first see them are dressed as air ventilation shafts, you know the kinds that look like periscopes. Yep. And all I could think is they look like Sid and Marty Croft characters. Yeah, out of the like, HR puff and stuff. And without them, when they take the vents off, all I could think is, ah, they've come to England to make big trouble for moose and squirrel. <laughs> or a silent movie, because yes. their makeup is like really heavy on the eye makeup. Yeah. They're also kind of like um, Laurel and Hardy-ish. Sort of. I, yeah, the, the ish is capitalized. Very ish, because they're not nearly as funny. And the, the methods they use are right out of Warner Brothers cartoons. They are, which is fine, yeah. you know, because you don't want them to be scary, and they are not scary. And here the plot um, is very simple. The Baron wants Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang. He wants, because he sees the car float. It actually, right. that's that's one of the cool things. The f- car can now spout pontoons and uh, an outboard motor, and you can drive it like a boat. Or yeah. Hovercraft, and this is, like. this is another one of those sequences is like, I see where they spent the money because it's not done in miniature. You can tell that's full-size boat and full-size car yeah. zooming around. I also didn't remember how obvious the mat lines were when they do the close-ups. Well, that's later. That, yeah, yeah, that's it, really yeah. bad. So there's a couple of attempts to steal Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, one of which actually instead uh, captures the... The uh, Lord King Candy Lord, Lord or whatever. Scrumptious, yeah. <laughs> and they use his car and his, his costume as a cover. And then, unfortunately, we get side two, song number one. <laughs> and the movie comes to a screeching halt. Is this which is Lovely Lonely Man, uh, a song that when I was a kid, that's I still remember where it was on the record. Side two, song one. Yeah. Skip it. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah, it's skip. just truly singing about how much she likes how much she has now decided she suddenly likes Professor Potts for no apparent yeah. reason. Although, I gotta say, when they're at the beach, she does get an idea of how much he loves his children. Yes, which is nice. Yeah. And he's obviously very devoted to them, which is cool. Um, we don't know what happened to Mrs. Potts. Uh, no. She might have turned into a small teapot. I, uh, I <laughs> ended up in a castle with a beast. I actually assumed that she, she was killed by one of his experiments and he just doesn't talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's possible. <laughs> Wife be gone. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but so the, they're out and about uh, suddenly because there's actually the, there's a weird cut. So they leave her off, and then the next scene they're out with her in the car, and they're trying to capture her, and that's when they capture um, the Lord Scrumptious. They use his car and suit as a cover. They go to Pot's house. Don't apparently haven't seen him, so they don't know what he looks like. They see Grandpa. Him. They think his father yeah. is the professor, and. He, when the, apparently the father has his own shed, which I remember now thinking, oh dear God, please don't let that be an outhouse, because that looks exactly like an outhouse. Because <laughs> when they lift it up, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, because they uh, actually no. attack, they drop a line from a Zeppelin, because yep. it's like, you know, oh, Grandpa, look out, a blimp. Yep, and yep, they, yep. They hook up the, and they lift the entire shed, and we get the song, The Travel in Life for Me, which is Posh. cute. 
It is, and it also is exceedingly British. It's there are still so things in that song I don't know what they mean. Very, very British. But, uh, and apparently what Grandpa does, he was apparently in the British Army. I'm in guessing India. that he served in, yeah, in India, and uh, we found out later who his commander was. That's fine. But he misses that life, so I guess he goes out all during the day and sits in his hut and just daydreams. He pretends he's seeing the Maharaja going off to, to Tibet Alaska. or something. Yeah. Yeah, so they fly off with with Grandpa in this in his outhouse, <laughs> uh, hanging from a rope, and they go off to Bulgaria, which is actually quite funny. And of course, they see uh, Grandpa flying off, and he calls to them. So they drive after him, and they drive off a cliff. And the movie, and the movie very cruelly yeah. has an actual literal cliffhanger because the car drives off a cliff, and then a sign comes up and says "Intermission," and it lasts for what two three minutes. Uh, it's longer than that. I, I skipped through it. Yeah, so did I. I mean, what the heck? But you're supposed to go and buy, you know, your chalk houses yep. and your, your, <laughs> your albatrosses. And uh, then it comes back and they show them driving off the cliff again. And just like in an old serial, at the last minute, the wings pop out and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, thankfully, and unbeknownst to its inventor, can fly. Yeah, Chitty has an awful lot of hidden powers. Yeah, because quite honestly, if... Um, if it hadn't, they'd just have died. It would have died and the movie would have been over. Yeah. Well, the story so then we fly to, to Neuschwanstein, which is uh, the most famous of Mad Ludwig's castles. Yeah, I thought that was it. Bulgaria. Yep. Otherwise known as uh, Bulgaria. And hey, here's some more money because that's where they actually shot those scenes. They actually went to Bavaria and shot at Mad Ludwig's castle. And it is... So if you've ever seen... Cinderella's castle, Sleeping Beauty's castle. This is the real one that they based those on. Because this guy, Ludwig, it is. He was king of Bavaria, and he was certifiably insane. He spent all of the country's money building these castles and other lavish things for no particularly good reason. Because it's not like it's a castle you could defend anything with. It's just crazy. Um, crazy beautiful, but oh, still crazy. Yes, and of course, it's it's a complete cartoon. You know, the Baron is a cartoon character, the Baroness, who hates all children. So children yeah. are outlawed. And all I keep thinking is, yeah, that's right, at the order of the Burgermeister Meisterburger. <laughs> no one will play with toys. Only this is the Baron is the only one who plays with toys, and he loves right. toys. Yep, but we get Max's favorite character. The one that didn't make him pee his pants when he was a kid. Oh, God, the child catcher. The child catcher. Friggin' terrifying. He's, yeah. So the guy who played him, um, and whose name I, I didn't, I had Robert uh, something, man, I can't remember, I'm sorry. He was actually a very well-respected Australian dancer and choreographer. He really could dance. You could see the way he moved. Well, and it actually ended up saving his life because at one point when he was driving the child catcher's wagon, it overturned. And the only reason that he didn't get crushed or, or badly hurt was that he was able to literally leap and down the carriage as it fell over and then off the carriage to safety. Oh, wow. And the people who saw him do it said it was incredibly graceful. <laughs> it was very balletic. Um, but he was he was a ballet dancer and then choreographer from Australia. But apparently he left Australia when he was young because he was gay. And things were, shall we say, not, not friendly for the gays. Um, but, uh, yeah, you could tell he really could dance. But he also, to make himself extra creepy, besides the nose they put on, they uh, he took out his uppers. <laughs> oh, his teeth? Yeah. Okay, I wonder why his face looked so odd. He's, but we'll come to him. He hasn't doesn't really shine at this point. But the Baron, no. the Baron greets you know Grandpa Potts, assuming again he's Professor Potts. Right. I'm still curious. Does that mean like Caractacus has a PhD or actually taught somewhere? I'm going to say it's Professor the way anybody back then was a professor. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. You so know. he should be building he should be building things out of uh, coconuts and. Whatever. Bamboo, Get, right. getting him off that damn island. Yep, yeah, yep. but uh, he says to him, "You know, you will build me a car that floats." He hasn't seen Chitty fly. He doesn't know it can fly. You'll build me a floating car. Or I, I like the threat, which was, he says, "If you do this, I will make you a privy councillor. And if you fail, I will stuff your head with sauerkraut and feed it to the ducks." <laughs> I I remembered that one line for decades. <laughs> 
Yeah, because Gerd Froba is really, really piling it on, and it's great. I mean, quite honestly, he's the Palpatine of this movie, and, you know, <laughs> more power to him. Yeah. Um, so, of course, he gets sent to the uh, the dungeon workshop where he meets all the other people who have been trying forever to do something amazing, and they have a little song. Roses of which Success. Which is fine. Which I actually liked as a kid. It's cute. It's fine. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Um, no. Meanwhile, the uh, Potts family, who's been flying all night and somehow isn't as fast as the giant... <laughs> whatever. Uh, they land in the village outside Bulgaria. They're, they're seen by by uh, the Baron and his wife and everybody, and they're like, I must have that car! Um, I, I honestly, I don't think I have the energy to get as high up as, as Gert does in this film. No. He's really just crazy. Yep. Anyway... Uh, the family comes into town and everyone's staring at the kids. Oh my God, the kids, because of course their kids have all been taken away and they finally find out, oh, this is a bad thing. You know, there's no children allowed in Bulgaria. Which is a pretty self-defeating policy if you think about <laughs> it. Well, it gets worse and we'll get to this yeah. later. So th they hear the, the soldiers are coming because they're looking for the car and they get everybody off the street and that's when we get Benny Hill. <laughs> Yeah, I was really disappointed. You don't even get a hint of yakety sacks. He doesn't slap no. anybody on the top of the head. He is the least Benny Hillish I've ever seen. Yeah, he's actually um, pretty good in this. He's one yeah, of the better fine. actors, which is telling you something. But yeah, yeah he's the toy maker. So, of right. course, he actually has a real fondness for children, although now he has to make all his toys just for the Baron. The, right. bar the Baron is a big, evil child. And the child catcher can smell children, which is so creepy. very creepy. So and then creepy. we get lots of close-ups of him sniffing Ugh. them out and he's like oh the toy maker of course that's where he went which is quite honestly makes a lot of sense yeah so they go into the basement and then in a ruse that would fool nobody Ugh. the entire family has hidden in giant jack-in-the-boxes even though their faces are plainly obvious yes and somehow gotten into full jack-in-the-box costume and makeup in under a minute yeah, well, they'll do this later with clown makeup in a Bond film, but let's... You know, yeah, well... We've already talked about that octopussy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so they anyway, go away. They, they leave. And, and, and then the child catcher comes back. Oh, yeah, so hang, hang on, you're skipping a bit. So the child, the toy maker and Professor Potts go to the castle to try to find Grandpa, leaving Truly and the children. The truly goes off to get them something to eat. The kids are starving. And the child yeah. catcher returns, and that was the creepiest scene for me. Yes. Because he's... Um, and I use the term loosely, disguised. <laughs> His disguise is a, a, a clown hat and a kind of colorful cape. And he's going around offering free candy. Now think about this. He's pulling a wagon that is basically a windowless van. And he's going around calling children ice cream, lollipops, all free like, so, uh, which was, I think, a very good message for this movie. You know, if a stranger with a huge nose and dancing around the, the square offers you candy, do not get into his horse-drawn cart. And I think it's safe to say that if we hadn't decided this earlier in the film, it can be fully documented, uh, witness-stamped for your approval right here and now. Jeremy and Jemima are not bright. No, they are not the sharpest tools on the Christmas tree. <laughs> And to be fair, of the two of them, Jemima's slightly, I think, like one point higher yeah. in the IQ yeah. than her brother because she says, no, Truly said don't go outside. And Jeremy's like, well, we'll get her some too. <sighs> this is apparently the argument that wins her over. And she's like, okay. And they've and they go seen out. the child catcher. They know what yeah. he looks like, but they still go out there and, of course, are immediately captured because idiots. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we didn't, we wouldn't have a story. And all, anyway. Uh, all I could think, I have my notes, it just says, stranger danger, stranger danger. Yeah. yeah. So they're taken back to the, the, the castle, and they're put into the, the tower, because uh, they, apparently they can't go into the same place the, all, all the other kids are, for whatever Remember reason, that, yeah. whatever. But then, uh, so the next day is the Baron's birthday, and we have to get in and save everybody, Chitty and, and Grandpa mm -hmm. and the kids. So they come up with a cunning plan <laughs> you, you skipped a bit because oh no 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 no! i haven't skipped a bit because this is their cunning plan we haven't got to the cunning plan part they, i just said that they came up with uh, one we don't know what it is no 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 but, but just it is in the, fact the lost children oh well, i thought you, you talked about that when they went up the castle no 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 i didn't say anything about that it, the toy maker takes pots and truly underneath the castle and it turns out there are catacombs there and a whole bunch of the lost children are there they've either escaped or Whatever, and did, they're all did you hiding. Know something, notice something about the lost children? What? Oh, they're all white. Oh, 
They're all boys. <laughs> no, no, I looked for that. There were a couple of girls. N- not until no, no, in the, the back. very end of the film. No, 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 in the back. At one point when the food shows up and some people are tossing, there were these two or three slightly older girls, and they were some of the ones who don't immediately rush over like animals. When it's when it's mischief time later in the film, oh, all the kids doing mischief are boys. Yeah, that's but true. This, which tells to me that this is going to be a really interesting generation when they all grow up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so yes, there's these kids. They're under the castle. Um, we don't know if they were thrown there, if they are hiding there, what's going on. But, um, I mean, quite honestly, nothing's really keeping them there except that if they get seen, they'll get put back there. And we don't know. Because like, Potts and, and um, the toy maker just take a boat and row in like there's yeah, not there's no like gates there's gate. no guards it's <laughs> but, and whatever. uh of course they're like are you here to save us us mr white man no i'm an american yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course what he's what does he give them a lullaby because you know it's not like yeah. these kids kids need food clothing or some kind of rescue or a revolution they need a lullaby i'm like what is well, wrong with you to be fair, they actually, like, right after that, they have food and they start handing it out. So they're stealing from the kitchen, so whatever. I guess they're not supposed to be there. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. So, yes, anyway, they devise a cunning plan. Yeah. Next morning, we get one of the weirdest scenes in the film. Yeah. So, of course, this being still the 60s, uh, any marriage depicted must have the old uh, Jackie Gleason honeymooner-type relationship depicted, and we get to see Baron Bomberst walking on his wife dressing, and she's wearing, like... fetish gear, practically. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> and then he spends an entire song um, trying to kill her. And the song is so odd. You're my little chuchi face. Oh! And you're my teddy bear. And every verse, he's pulling like a rope and she falls through the floor. She's trying to strangle her with her braids or... Yeah. (sighs) And then he doesn't... Actually, it's not the first time he tries to kill her. But that being said, it's just weird. It's so odd. And But there you go. Yeah, just something, you know, uncomfortable about the whole thing. Never mind the domestic abuse angle. It's just creepy. Yeah, but then they get downstairs to the big party. And this is where, once again... The movie reminds us, hey, I'm going to drag, and I'm going to do it right here. Yep. Because before the cunning plan happens, we get all of this footage of this boring party at which the Baron is, in fact, bored. But then the cunning plan is to dress Truly and Caractacus up as toys, who will then fool everybody. And they will sing. convincing toys. The kids have all been rallied together. Now they have a leader, and they will capture the entire kingdom, the ruling class of the kingdom and mayhem ensues yeah basically there's a big ridiculous uh fight involving also you know tiny underfed children fighting crack soldiers with weapons and they yeah, still is the most it's the most wonderfully b- bloodless coup yeah, i have ever it's seen <laughs> very much a children's movie fight i mean i'm surprised there were no pies involved which is fine yeah but Everybody's happy except for the Baron yep. and his wife who get captured, and, every, and all the adults who get captured and 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 stuff and, and overthrown. Uh, and the townspeople grand- show up and help out. Yep, and they get their children back, and uh, uh, they they get into Chitty, uh, Grandpa, and Truly, and the kids. They get into Chitty, who not only can fly but now sprouts propellers, which thankfully don't take anybody's head off. Yes, fortunately, uh, Chitty now has VTOL capabilities. Yes, and they fly. Happily back to the beginning of the film. Yep. Um, and then he from here, the story. And from there, uh, pretty, it gets From dull. there, it's like the, the kids are like, isn't this wonderful? And then dad and truly get married. And everyone's like, this isn't awkward because feelings and British. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, it's like the kids would like a mother. And dad's like, uh, yeah, I don't have any. I have no standing. I have no money. And she's really rich, which is a reasonable and although tried and true plot twist it's fine he's like he doesn't have the courage like i can't do this because you you have all the money of course if he was a little bit more woke he might say hey as long as one of us making the cash who cares it's not a question it's 1910 how woke is he supposed to be and the fact is he would have he she would need in that era she'd need her father's permission to get married and he wouldn't let her marry that right hell i wouldn't let her marry i would let my daughter (laughs) marry that 
oh, come on. <sighs> she makes him a lot less absent-minded that is true. than he was. He's a lot more focused. So she's good for him. And she likes him. She's She yeah. has a thing for him. And they do have some chemistry. I'm going to say they don't give the characters much time to develop it, but there is some. It's, it's not a little. They're not, it's not completely forced. out of left field. No. And then they no. go home and there's a very deus ex machina moment right. where it right. turns out her father was Grandpa Potts' brigadier and Grandpa Potts was his Batman. And uh, Batman? <laughs> Batman, personal servant in the English army. I'm Batman. <laughs> Swear to me! Um, and he's come by because apparently the Toot Sweets, well, he says they're, they're rubbish for humans, which I don't get because everyone liked the way they tasted. Yeah. But apparently they're great for dogs because everyone knows dogs like candy whistles. Yeah. I don't... And, now, of course, now what this means is every dog that has a wolf sweet, which is the new name yeah. for them, while eating it is going to be calling every dog within hearing distance around. So yeah, this, maybe it's a great business opportunity. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But anyway, so he goes off. He's like, he's about to sign the, the uh, rich and famous, the standard rich and famous, famous contract, contract. Yep. When he's like, no, 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 I've got to go tell Truly. And once again, yeah. runs her off the road into the swamp. <laughs> but they're all happy and they go driving off in Chitty. Which then again flies without, without the wings. With no wings. Which Obviously, this I is don't, supposed to be metaphorical. Well, now I read something about this, uh-huh. and they were suggesting there. There's I don't know if this is a fan theory or whatever that Chitty's powers, and, and you're going to wince. You're probably going to throw things. Comes from love because only when there's okay, love around the card is it I does something heavy to throw. <laughs> Only when there's there's love does the car do something. So when they're going to stay together, the car can fly. Really? So when they're when falling off a cliff, they're overwhelmed their with love, love and of life. It, it can fly. Oh, yeah, that fits. <laughs> that fits. Sure. I just said I read it. I didn't say I agreed with it. But the car goes flying mm. off into the credits, and we have the end of a two-and-a-half-hour children's film. And at this point, unless you have any final notes, no, I think no. we, too... Oh, can fly off into the end part of our show. Sorry, one little thing. You talk about how English this movie is, and all I keep thinking, I was thinking at the end of the sequence in Bulgaria is, yeah, this is about as English as it gets. You come in, disrupt the local government, <laughs> overthrow everything, cha- completely change the, the system of government and society, and then leave. Yeah, boy, <laughs> is that English! <laughs> I think you're being a little hard. Oh. No, okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm really not. And not because now, of course... That's what we do in America. Thank you, political. Hey, whoa. Yeah. Anyway. That's I think instead, we... Max and I will now quietly sing our way into the final part of the show. The Roundup. So, yeah. you had seen this when you were a kid. Yes. When was the last time you saw it? Oh, boy. Third, many years ago. I, I think were it was you like, about to say third grade? No, I was going to say like 30 years ago, oh. maybe more. Okay. I don't remember. It's been that long. And um, I, I can guess, but how did this film hold up for you? Parts of it hold up very well. Um, oh. I like a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. I love watching well, Dick Van Dyke dance. Well, it's the Sherman Brothers. Yeah, I mean, dear God. Yeah. It's like, uh, we want that. How do we get that? Well, we buy these two guys. Yeah, but oh, okay. because, but they're, not all the songs work. The thing with Mary Poppins, I don't think there is a bad song in that movie. There are a couple in this one that are just a waste of time. No. And there's also some songs in Mary Potter. One, the Feed the Birds gets me every oh, time. Oh, breaks my heart. I tear heart. up at that song. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing and th- like that in this movie. There is nothing no, that although, moves you. I do like Hushabye Bound. Hushabye, do, as, it's as, sweet. As, but that's about it. Because it rem- I remember how I felt when I was a kid. Uh, so anyway. Okay. That, so parts of it hold up. Parts yep. of it hold up. Parts of it really don't. Uh, mm-hmm. As you say, as you point out, the pacing is painfully slow. It's right. some po- it drags at some points. Not every, not the whole movie, but there are points when it just grinds to a halt. Uh, Such a lovely, yeah. lonely man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the acting is decent, uh, yeah. but there are a couple. There are only a couple of real standouts. One of which is Gerd Frobo, who is just <laughs> worth the price of admission. And the, of course, Dick Van Dyke. I'd watch him do anything. Yeah. He's terrific. Um, I'm glad he didn't do a British accent, but it's also kind of like, why don't you have an accent, Dad? Yeah, everyone, it, it's in England. Everyone has an accent except him. It It's a little jarring. I could just see him off camera going, nope, nope, not yeah. going to do it. Nope. Oh, no. he apologized so many times for that horrible Cockney accent he did in the, 
Harry Potter. He can't do an English accent. That's just not something. I know it's not that hard, really. Just put your mind to it. It's fine. That's right, anyway. jolly old chap. <laughs> <laughs> to the bat ball. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> so it's okay. I, I I enjoyed some of it. I don't think I'd watch it again for fun. How about you? Now this was a big. You you were way more into the music than I was. Uh, this I think was sounds like it was a bigger part of your childhood than it was for me. How did it hold up for you? I adored this uh, film. Anytime it came on Channel 56, our local UHF station, I would watch it. I had the car. I had the records. I listened to the music over and over again, which is weird because as an adult, I don't generally like show tunes. And yet as a small child, well, maybe my parents could have taken a hint. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it is very British. And in that is both good and bad. It's very British in that it feels like it's taking place in Britain. It's got a lot of colloquialisms. It's got a lot of British flavor. One of the things I've noticed, especially about British genre films, is that their pacing is, shall we say, somewhat glacial. Especially when it comes to science fiction. Oh, dear God. Oh, uh, yeah. Zardoz, I'm looking Quater, straight you. Quater right. Mass Effect. Yep. Oh, any, I mean, pretty much any of those Hammer horror films mm. are just like, okay. And then what happened? And then what? Then what happened? Please, somebody Space, attack somebody. Space 1999. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's Maybe it's just the style. Thunderbirds are slow. Yes, yes, they are. Um, this is one of the longest children's films until another British set of children's films would come out, and that would be the Harry Potter films. Now, there, they're a little bit better paced. They got over the, okay. the, the, the slow pacing a lot, yeah. So I've got some kid glasses on when I'm watching this film. I loved this film. There's still parts I love about this film. Oh, a lot of the music I still nice. like a lot. Um, it's a very innocent film. It you is. can't do this anymore. It's very much a children's um, film. You know, they don't explain. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, but it's not no. supposed to. And you no. realize that, and they're like, "No, we're not even going to try. We're not going to. Nope. We're not pandering to adults. This is for children. Get over it." There's something also I, I realized much later uh, after having watched the film uh, and I found really interesting is that this is a children's movie that does not focus on the children. They're not the central characters. Uh, this is going to change True. very soon. And the dichotomy is going to be children versus adults. That'll become the norm. So things like Harry Potter, perfect example. It's oh, all the kids outsmarting of those horrible, nasty adults. Which, of course, if you take one half step back, you're like, are all adults total morons? <laughs> what the heck? But you also get all these scenes where the kids are besting the adults and kids versus adults. And this is not that. The only time that happens is at the end of the film, but they're led by adults yeah. who are said, you know, you kids, this is what you should do, which makes sense. And it's still a kid's film. And as a kid, I loved it. I didn't care that the protagonist wasn't me. Um, I had fantastical things in it, a flying car, a floating car, all this stuff. Does it hold up for today's audiences? Probably not. Uh, I think it's too slow. I think it's too innocent. It's in some cases too sweet yeah. um, and whimsical. Um, but I still love it. It's got that little place in my heart and it's never going to leave. But next week we have a different place in our heart, which we hope won't be some form of cancer. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is again, know. another very sort very English story. Although I think it's an American film. Uh, this one is one I remember liking a great deal when I was a kid and I have not seen it in a very long time. And this is the Oscar winning movie, Oliver, the musical Based on that wacky children's book, Oliver Twist? Isn't it by... Which, um... which I Chuck, I Chuck Dickens. Yes, Charles <laughs> Dickens, with two, with two, uh, Dickens with two Ks, the well-known Dutch author. Ah, in that case, we don't have it. <laughs> funny, you've got a uh, lot of books here. Yeah, it's... Uh... Funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... Uh, to Dickens is known for some, some hijinks and some he, hilarity he has, and humor, right? He has funny books. Oliver Twist... It's he not was? a children. Oh yeah, Pickwick Papers, Martin Chuzzlewit. There's a lot. He's a quick He did a lot of humor. This okay. is not one of them. This was like his condemnation of child labor laws and such in in, in Victorian England. Which, so we should make a musical, which were, were something pretty horrendous. Uh, yes, and also one of the <laughs> saying this as a a child a child of Solomon and David. One, he, Dick has created one of the most notorious Jewish villains in, in all of literature, up there with Shylock, and that's Fagin. Mm. So, yeah, let's have him sing. Why not? Mm. 
So you remember liking this, you say? I did. I do. I didn't understand because, quite honestly, in the movie, I don't even know if they mentioned that Fagin is Jewish. I'll be interested to see if they mention it. In the book, every page, he's referred to as the Jew, capital J. Oh, um, by the way, did we mention that Fagin is a Jew? Yes. And, unfor- <laughs> and of course, I loved that there's a you know, black and white non-musical version just called Oliver Twist, starring Alec Guinness as Fagin. Yeah. With about yeah, and his nose. And five <laughs> pounds of makeup on his nose. And that is, I'm sorry, he created so many damn stereotypes. His performance was so rememberable. <laughs> That's what everyone assumed Jews are like. We all have stringy hair, big noses, and we lisp. Yeah. It's like well, well, with Richard yeah. III. <laughs> Which I gotta say, you know, suffering suck attacks. That's ridiculous. So if you'd like to join us yes. next week and sing about poverty and other <laughs> happy things, join us here at Max Mike Movies for Oliver! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.